This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Hey, this is a great topic for our Thursday Science section. People who watch the news on their phones, what's the comparison with those in retention and understanding of those of us who are more traditional, maybe watched on TV or even a laptop? Well, I've got the right guy to talk about it. I'm talking with Stuart Soroka, Professor of Communication Studies, Political Science at the University of Michigan. Professor, thanks for finding the time. Well, thanks very much for coming. Well, let's talk about this. First of all, I mean, uh, you know, without quantifying it for myself, I certainly appreciate that more and more people are getting their news through looking at their iPhones or their, you know, whatever phone they're using at that point, compared to what it used to be. Of course, in the old days, uh, it was radio and television. What are the statistics on that? I mean, how big a growth has this been? You know, it's actually, it's kind of tough to measure that. We know that younger people are increasingly using laptops as opposed to cable, for instance, for watching television. And we know that an increasing number of people are using their phones, but it's actually quite hard to know how much we use our phones to watch news because you use your phone for so many things and you get news along with those so many things that you can't just ask somebody anymore how many hours a day do you spend getting the news on your phone because when you log on to facebook you're getting the news on your phone but you don't count that as news yeah fair enough that we're actually probably getting a lot more news than we think on our phones i'm also wondering though the impact in terms of everything you know headline news is nothing new and that we take things in little bite-sized bits but i wonder about the impact on our kind of understanding of major events you know can you get enough detail or, or that kind of thing to really get a full appreciation of you know some important issues well, I mean, there's the, one concern is what we would call selective exposure, that it used to be that we all got the news based on what an editor of a newspaper mm-hmm. or a radio show or a TV program would decide. Now we're doing a lot. We're, we're kind of selecting based on headlines. And as a consequence, our own biases creep into the kinds of news that we that we see. That's one concern. And then the second concern is that we're getting it on a screen that is a fundamentally different size. And that changes the way we cognitively process the information we get. Well, I, I can see the, uh, both being very important, especially the other side. I hadn't thought about that as, you know, now we're getting news pushed to us and we're most likely because of the algorithms, whether it's Google pushing similar stories or like-minded stories, and we're not getting particularly introduced to alternative views. And I, I, see, I would see that as very damaging. It can be. Uh, I mean, and I think we can think of the algorithms both as like the algorithm that Facebook has or the algorithm that any news aggregator has, but also uh, the uh, algorithms in our brains. We have our own preferences Mm -hmm. and and, and those preferences are going to govern what we tap on as well. So it's a combination of selection through, uh, through, let's say, computational algorithms and selection through our own algorithms that can produce uh, a kind of bubble. I'm thinking, though, in terms also that uh, you're right in but we're seeing this, uh, at least it looks like enhanced divisiveness in society. It looks like we're more divided than ever. And I would think that kind of selective, uh, you know, news feeds or selective, as you say, our own uh, cognitive bias, reinforcing those divisions and, and maybe exacerbating them. I mean, that's certainly one of the concerns in my discipline right now, that the selective exposure is enhancing uh, polarization. We shouldn't overstate it. I mean, I think the state of the field is that Selective exposure means that uh, it's people are more able now than they have before or more inclined now than they were before to get news that already fits with their views. Mm-hmm. But we still we don't only get that news. We still see 
um, a, a relatively diverse body of news. It's an increasing concern, but it's not as though you get only the news that you, that fits your views already. You get a little more of that than you used to. Well, the other side, though, coming back to it, that it still occurred to me is that obviously governments are dealing with complicated subjects. Uh, one of the examples that is crossing both our borders uh, from University of Michigan out to Vancouver is, of course, trade issues and trade concerns. But I, I just don't see how people become more sophisticated when they're getting that in a nutshell and, uh, and getting it on a small screen that doesn't really lend itself to the kind of even, even moderate depth that those subjects require to be understood. I mean, it, to me, it just enhances the opportunity, at least, for some manipulation that way. I mean, I think the small screen issue it might be separate from the, uh, how much in-depth content you can get in a complex domain issue. So it's probably true that on an issue like trade, a lot of people are not interested right from the get-go. And the people who are act- actively interested, they actually have much more access to information than they did before, small mm. screen or otherwise, right? Because you could, if you decided to sit down now and read only about trade until the end of the workday, you could totally do that. And, you know, pre-mobile technology and pre-internet, that was, that, that was not possible. But it is the case, however, that if you uh, are looking at a, uh, at a large screen and taking in information that way, and I'm taking in the same story, the same, let's say, video story on a small screen, you and I are having different experiences and we're encoding that information differently. Well, I'm thinking when you look at yourself, uh, you know, professor of communication studies, political science at University of Michigan, uh, how have things changed? I mean, if you're looking out even four or five years, do you have any expectations of how our communications vis-a-vis politics is going to evolve? I mean, I think that the expectation is that we're going to see more and more content uh, being disseminated, kind of designed for uh, mobile technology and more and more video content through mobile technology. I mean, initially it was quite difficult, given cell phone plans, for instance, Mm. to get video content um, out through mobile technology. Now it's very straightforward. So we're starting to see uh, it become really, really common for there to be short news stories that that include video content or are exclusively video content and are designed for mobile technology. So that that, that then has some very interesting implications. Uh, does it worry you going forward, uh, you know, the level of the sophistication? I mean, we had some big stories going back a couple of years ago or, or over the last couple of years, you know, just talking about uh, how sophisticated uh, the techniques have become for manipulating public opinion. And as you say, this is will be... I'm fascinated to hear when you talk about the mobile phone and yes, the data plans change, which then lends itself to more video getting pushed out in a short form way that way and reaching more people. Um, Are you worried about, you know, we hear a lot about fake news or manipulation, that kind of stuff. As you look forward, are you worried about an enhancement of that? That kind of thing is going to increase? I'm a little torn about this. I mean, the concerns about fake news, I think fake news is a really interesting topic. But I think the consensus in my discipline about fake news is that while there is more fake news, obviously, than there was in the recent past, certainly pushed out through social media, the number of people who actually actively engage with and believe that fake news is relatively small. Mm. So the impact of fake news is probably relatively limited. At the same time, there's an, there, there are increasing concerns that video which we have tended to treat as um, as always true, as in if it's on video, then it must be true. Uh, it's getting increasingly easy to manipulate video content. 
And so uh, we don't know how that's going to end up working. You might get text that seems crazy to you, and you would think, well, this text is nuts. Somebody just made this up. But let's say somebody manipulates a video, and that seems crazy to you, but it's video, and you're used to taking video as the truth. That maybe extends the possibility for the impact of fake news. Well, I'll tell you, it's an, an incredible subject because it's becoming uh, so relevant to us uh, and further relevance, as you say, going forward. Uh, there's much more to talk about, but I appreciate you finding time for us today. Stuart Soroka is a professor of communication studies and political science at the University of Michigan. My thanks, Professor. Thanks very much.